Welcome along to Trip Notes. It's a New Zealand Herald travel podcast brought to you by Intrepid Travel. And we take you around the world, the best destinations, the underrated destinations, the things that travel has taught you, your favourite travel bugs, and a special celebrity guest each episode. And before we welcome our guest, who's a radio host, has been on TV since 1990, I have, uh, I have just discovered. <laughs> Let's welcome New Zealand Herald Travel Deputy Editor and Trip Notes co-host Stephanie Holmes. How are Hi, you doing? Tim, I'm good. How are you? I am good. And sitting next to you is the lovely Stacey Morrison. Welcome, yeah. Stacey. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, I mean, talking about travel, this is hardly hard. <laughs> this is one of the best things. It's, yeah, it's like a little holiday in your day, I think. It makes you maybe want to go somewhere immediately. Yeah. And I've got a son who's overseas. He's only 12. He's yeah. in Japan right now. So it's definitely in the family spirit. Wow. Voyages and travellers. Awesome. And, and you have inspired our destination of the week, which we'll get to at the end of the podcast, because this is this is exotic. It's the largest country in the world. And, and I'd say most Kiwis haven't been there, but you have. So we're very excited to do that. Uh, for travel bugs as well, we're going to look at the most common or, or maybe the most rip-roaring travel travel scams but let's begin with finding out a little bit about you and and, and what travelers taught you yeah I am um, so I was reading um, an old interview with you and I saw this amazing quote um, that you said <laughs> <Got me. laughs> I know well done um, that you feel like being a New Zealander um, there's a voyager spirit in 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 you as a New Zealander. So do you think you were kind of predestined to love travel because of that? I think all of us, that was my point, is that all of us as New Zealanders, we have the Voyager spirit in us because we descend from or are someone who travelled to get here, no matter where that's from. So, you know, for Māori, from Hawaii, uh, I know my grandparents came from England and this, you know, a six week voyage on a boat and you can't just turn around and go, no, three stars don't want to be here. No, can you imagine? <laughs> it's amazing. And yes, I do think it's a unifying sort of spirit of New Zealanders at our best. We are adventuresome and I've always uh, wanted to embrace that and I was lucky that I started travel fairly early as an exchange student in Japan um, while I was still at high school. So that was my last year, my seventh year, yeah. uh, seventh form year, which is now year. 13. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think starting early is part of it and something I try to encourage with my children as well. Yeah. How did you find Japan? Because in our first episode, we had the lovely Daniel Faitawa, and he also was an um, exchange student in Japan. And he Nerds told, unite. Yeah. <laughs> and he told us that it was his first trip overseas and that he just, he cried basically for the first three months because it was so um, so out of his comfort zone and, and so overwhelming. Were you the same? It is huge. Uh, I'd only been to Australia before that and I was 17 but you didn't have email, you could barely ring your family, yeah. there was no social media like there is now. So that was part of it, just the homesickness being so far away, immersed in a completely different culture. But I'm so grateful for it because that was my first uh, opportunity to learn a foreign language. I learnt Japanese before I learnt Māori. And uh, yeah, I'm just, it, it really taught me a lot about my resilience. That's the other thing about travel. I like to sort of be a MacGyver type mama um, <laughs> and to choose experiences over things in right. general. That's a priority well, for what our are family. Some, what are some of the things maybe from that trip that were those kind of more MacGyvery ones, whether you were in a hot air balloon that was then pierced and then you had to tape it up with duct tape? <laughs> I or... mean, obviously that happened. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's, just, that's just a standard week. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. But I mean, my host family took me everywhere. I lived in I lived in Utsunomiya, and that's about 100 k's north of Tokyo in Tochigi-ken. And they took me to Hiroshima, to Kyoto, uh, you know, being in the school environment. And we were really 
blessed and lucky. Um, And I guess one of the things I really learned was about resilience um, and how to look after yourself when you are homesick, when you can't be where you want to be right now. And so I'm really grateful for that because I think at 17 that's a good thing. Mm. Um, And it's like an OE, I guess. We all have great parts of an OE and then things that are harder. So that's what I love. But particularly with Japan because it's such a different culture. Uh, And then even more so because it was the early 90s, there wasn't as much American influence. It really was uh, being able to go to temples and be part of ceremonies that are completely different to our culture and yet had some resonance Mm. for me as well. Yeah. And what about now? Like you've got three children. Traveling must be quite different for you than, you know, when you're carefree days when you can just take off and do whatever you like. Well, you don't appreciate it then because you don't know what it could be like. Um, Someone was saying to me yesterday about, oh, yes, we definitely want to go premium economy to America. America's nothing. (laughs) Come on. I've held a child in my arms all the way to London uh, in economy class. So... (laughs) I always think about it and say to the kids as well, it's just one day out of our lives and look at what we get at the other end. So, for instance, in Turkey, uh, when we took the kids there and my husband tours a lot with Mwana and the tribe, so as a performing band. Mm. So we have these incredible experiences. And I remember I had quite a small baby. She would have been, I had two kids at the time and now I've got three. And so she was in my backpack and we we were on a bus and there wasn't any seatbelts. This is not ideal. So I made her go in the backpack and then I strapped it in the best I could so that it was a makeshift kind of car seat and then cooled her bottle down in snow and all of those things, you know, and they were calling me MacGyver mama. Yeah. Uh, you know, but then on the streets of Turkey, I remember in Istanbul, uh, so we had about a three-year-old and an 18-month-old and everyone was so fascinated with the children. And when I looked around, I realised there's not many kids on the streets in Istanbul. And so they were always coming up to them and pinching their cheeks <laughs> and saying this one phrase to them. And so I said to our guide, what are they always saying to the kids, that phrase? And they said, oh, they're telling your kids they're ugly. I said, they are what? <laughs> and she said, no, no, this is a good thing in Turkish culture. Uh, you tell beautiful children they're ugly so that the genies don't know they're beautiful and come and steal them. Oh, wow. Okay. So that's a good explanation just as well. Yeah. She was lucky. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, the, the nice eye and everything the protection people were coming up and giving them things it was really beautiful yeah yeah so so thinking about the things that you learn when you travel you know that that sometimes you know talk back when you speak with people who seem like they're really angry and and racist and and you don't (laughs) want to you don't want to be sort of patronizing about it because i always feel like travel is still kind of a privilege but but i feel like these people haven't seen the world i mean do you think that that kind of mark twain idea that travel is, is the best way to ward off essentially you know bigotry and, and racism. xenophobia and yeah. I think it, it is important to be challenged and to see why people are like they are say in Japan one takeaway I, I got from that was uh, they have a different sense of personal space because you don't have the luxury of you know choosing how far away you sit from someone on a shinkansen you know you have to be right in their space and they don't just don't perceive personal space in the way that New Zealanders do which is just like our country we've got a good amount of space thank you and <laughs> yeah. keep away and so that actually impacts your everyday experiences because, you know, in New Zealand, if there is a free seat next to us, we expect that no one will take that seat on a bus (laughs) or train unless they absolutely have to. Whereas in Japan, it's just survival. So, yeah, I do think that experiencing other cultures uh, helps us be more tolerant. Uh, And also when you're, you know, when in Rome or when in Hawaii, do like (laughs) they do. And 
and also connections. I mean, in Hawaii, what we discovered is that we would speak Māori and they would speak Hawaiian, and in between there was enough that we could understand each other. Mm. That's amazing, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. I mean, Hawaiian language is, is still very much threatened and in a hard place, but we were going to uh, places like the school Kamehameha and Maunakea, you know, their sacred mountains and those kind of things. So we were lucky enough to meet people. And honestly, even their ceremony, how their... Um, we call them tuahu, but sort of uh, their ceremonial structures are the same as ours, you yeah. know. So you see likeness, but also appreciate difference. And I think another thing that traveling does is it helps you define what you consider to be you. And so when you go to London and see these New Zealanders busting out tutera manga iwi, that's great. <laughs> you realize that's part of who you are yeah. as well. So yeah. that's what I love as yeah. well. That's Do you right. find, because um, you learned uh, Māori um, as an adult, so um, do you find that it's um, being bilingual, you, you can pick up other languages a bit easier when yeah. you go away? Yeah, and it's really good for comebacks. People on Twitter who go, there's no point in learning Māori because no one else can speak it. Well, actually, people are fascinated around the world when yeah. they hear you and they go, hang on a minute, you're... Yeah, that's another language. And they ask about it and they engage with it. Mm. Um we always get the kids to learn to use as much as we know of that local language. So when we're in France, the same trip as the Turkey one, we're getting the kids to use whatever French we knew. And my daughter said to me, she said, oh, my friend at school at Puna, she doesn't understand Māori. I said, yes, she does, because I've heard her. And she and she's saying to me, Māori, she goes, kāuna te mea ikia, komo sava, kāri e marama. So <laughs> I said, komo sava, and she didn't understand. Uh, That's so, a nice hybrid. Yeah, yeah. yeah so it's, uh, I guess, we enjoy language and celebrate language, and it's just such a good opportunity. And you have to be brave to use French in France yeah. right <laughs> yeah I know because I, I still have this bad tendency that, that particularly with a language like French that that if you really put the effort in to say it right I feel self-conscious and I know that that's silly but but I, I feel like it's kind of putting on a show and I've got to get past that you know yeah. because yeah. I, I feel more comfortable saying it in, in so you'd my rather say accent. merci rather than merci yeah I, if I really went you know <laughs> I, I feel shy I feel embarrassed yeah. how do I get I past this I used to do it I mean yeah. it's fascinating and and again it goes back to being in New Zealand and isolated uh, how challenged are we how resilient are we to give languages a go yeah. and I guess that's what's helped and with Japanese and with Maori I've built up some language resilience but also fascination I just love hearing different languages remember uh, we went to Disneyland a couple of years ago and we were playing the floor is lava in Maori and this guy with it literally as American as you could get with a fanny pack on and everything, <laughs> he went running. Uh, we were going, the floor is lava. And he went running and jumped on top of a rubbish bin. He said, you guys said the floor is lava, right? <laughs> so if he can pick it up, you know, no, it's good. also about communicating. Yeah. 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 And <laughs> and I think you can do that when you open up your ears and your heart. Okay. Yeah. Well, well, thinking of some of the places you've been, surely... Uh, you must have had some sort of travel scam, and if you haven't, then you're incredibly lucky because this is where we, we move into our Travel Bug segment, which is a weekly column I do in the Herald, and, and it's a weekly ode to the joys of moaning about your holiday, and, and sometimes being scammed is horrible, and sometimes it's kind of funny. But, but for you, have you, you ever oh, you no been doubt. scammed? Oh, no doubt. Thailand, Vietnam, you pay way too much for things. Yeah. I'm useless at bartering. I, I hate, hate it. it. Me too. Uh, it just feels so uncomfortable and just... I, I it's don't so want the hassle. I, I just want to buy something and just go. And I, I, I don't want 
I don't care, you know. I just want to buy something that I'm happy to pay for and I don't want to. And you feel rich in that moment, right? (laughs) So in China as well, we had Chinese people with us and they were saying, no, don't pay that. And then the Chinese who were working the market said, you're Chinese, you shouldn't be helping them, you know, these (laughs) foreigners. And she said, no, I'm a New Zealander. And he said, well, your parents were Chinese (laughs) and you shouldn't be doing this. And I'm just like, I'll just pay. I don't care. I'm not good. Um, I've probably paid too much in taxes. I've paid too much for clothes. Taxes. I guarantee the first day I'm somewhere new, I will always get ripped off by a taxi. It's like, yeah. it's like just my part of my holiday. Do you have any days. ones you can think of in particular? Any scams um, that you've suffered oh, from? I mean, I don't know. I guess it was a scam. But in Borneo, and I had arrived and I was horribly jet lagged, but trying to walk around and, you know, stay up for as long as possible to have a good night's sleep and feel good the next day and uh, walked too far, got a bit lost, um, decided to get a taxi back. And I knew I'd read somewhere that you either fix the price before or you get the meter running and I couldn't remember which one it was <laughs> and I didn't have wi-fi so I thought oh you maybe fix the price before you go so I agreed this price with this guy and I knew it was way too much it was like yeah. maybe five times more than I should be paying and then I got back to the uh, to the hotel and he lifted his hat and his hat was hiding the meter and the meter showed uh. like that it was way cheaper and I just I just always <laughs> feel it makes me feel really upset you know like you know that you've been conned but I kind of I'm trying to just be philosophical about it you can be upset at yourself too I had one in Vietnam and Hanoi and and I got ripped off about I think in the end it was about 60 US dollars Um, but the ride from at that time when I was there the ride from the airport to the hotel was meant to be about 10 US and literally in the lonely planet I was holding as I was being essentially mugged um, by, <laughs> by a guy who had come up to me in the airport. He was wearing what looked like a uniform. He said, do you need a taxi? And I was like, yeah. Um, and then I was like, everything I did wrong. Um, I said, I need to get some notes out. I need to go to the ATM. <laughs> so I'm at the ATM and getting big notes. You know, $50 note comes out. And um, anyway, then we get in the cab and he's not the driver. He's, oh. he's the co-pilot. My bag is in the boot, oh. which is another bad thing because then you, you can't escape. And as we're driving along, we pull off to the side of the motorway and he says, right, there's a toll. And I'm, I've got the Lonely Planet saying, beware of the scam that says there's a toll. Right. <laughs> there is no toll. So I said to him, it says here there is no toll. He's like, no, 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 that, that's an old book. I was like, it's the new book. <laughs> the new book. And, then, and then so I think, okay, well, I'll just give him some money to shut him up. And I opened my wallet and he leaned back and he took <gasps> out a 50. And I was like, I've just been robbed. And I was like, you, you've just robbed me. And he's like, no, no, no. And then um, anyway, we eventually, we, we keep on driving. And then he starts wanting to make chit-chat about New Zealand. He's like, oh, so what's New Zealand like? You're not my like, friend now, yeah. buddy. You've robbed me. <laughs> <laughs> we're not making small talk about New Zealand. Yeah. I think the important thing, though, is to kind of just put it in perspective. And mm. as long as no one's got hurt, you know, as long as you get away safe, you shouldn't really feel too bad about it and just you know use it as experience as a learning and that's what i mean check your privilege yeah because if it is um 15 more new zealand dollars and you've got that and you're not on a really tight budget well yeah it's either be staunch or Mm. lose a little bit of money yeah in those situations it's amazing though where where you've been that you didn't have apparently one that's quite common in istanbul various parts of the world someone and i love this one someone will squirt you with fake bird poo (laughs) and um and then they will offer to clean it up 
while their friend is, you know, lifting, uh, yeah. lifting stuff out of your bag. There's all kinds of ones, aren't there? Like in Paris <laughs> and they, someone asks you to sign a charity petition and then while they're doing that, you get picked. You just, you just have to be uh, aware. And, yeah. you know, tourists get scammed in New Zealand as well. We can't oh, be yeah. righteous, you know, yeah. because people get scammed when they come over here. So I think you just have to be sensible and just make sure yeah. you're safe and Bum bags are back so that you can have, in terms <laughs> of you know, are, your personal they? security. And yeah. cycling shorts. I'm not happy about this, but yeah. I think the ones in Thailand are the funniest because it's, it's, oh no, the temple's closed. And, and so they want you to go to somewhere else and then they can get your money to take you to the other temple. And so long as you know that, you can say, I know the temple's not closed. And you can kind of have a laugh and then, and then, then they laugh and then lo and behold, the temple's not closed. Yeah. And all the layers <laughs> in Shanghai of the not fake stuff you're trying to buy mm, yeah. and they go okay okay uh you know you're such a good bug now i will take you to the real place which is another room in the back room and <laughs> you know and our chinese host was saying you know you got to be careful in here okay so don't just go off by yourself and you know all of those things and you, you've got to respect their <laughs> You know yeah. how being how entrepreneurial yeah. they are, tenacity. You know, and I mean, I love them. And let's and let's not just keep it to that part of the world. Las yeah. Vegas, that's a total ripoff. Yeah, you know, and they go, okay, here's twenty dollars, and and here's a all you can drink, and it's it's a, you know, you're supposed to share this big glass at the Magic Mike show. Yeah. Um, this is my sister. We need to talk about that. Yeah, yeah, it was amazing. <laughs> and the thing about it is that it's watered down. You can taste it. It's got water all the way through it. So it's. Depends what you consider a scam. There are yeah. levels of ripping people off all around the world. Yeah. Okay, very quickly, before we get to the destination of the week, seeing as you expressed an interest in this, the Magic Mike show. In Vegas, yeah. Well, it wasn't my idea, but my sister chose it and I was ever so grateful. And funnily enough, um, we actually decided spontaneously to renew our vows that day. So we both remarried our husbands <laughs> and then took off to the Magic Mike show. It was, I feel like you should have done that first, like kind yeah. of a hen's It was night. a hen's in yeah. reverse. But, oh, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm 12 years in. I, I love you, darling, bye. Yeah. And so um, it's were, just were so as... well designed. It's okay. so it's that's what I appreciated the art. For sure, yeah, yeah. nothing was, to do with the topless man. Was Channing yeah. there? Channing wasn't, yeah. um, but the spirit of Channing as, was. Were they as handsome as Channing? Or? Uh, uh, they were very good dancers. Okay, but, yeah. yeah, no, okay. they were and singers. That's the thing. Ah. They sort of. I could talk about this for quite a long time, <laughs> but uh, it's just really well designed. And then they have a plant in the studio. Yeah, in the the women were screaming. It's just very, very clever. It sounds like fun. All yeah. right, let's get to our destination of the week, largest country in the world, and something like oh, here we go. I've got the fun facts. 142 million people, wow. and I think something of a mystery to much of the world too. And uh, this is Russia, mm. and you have been. Where did you go? What was it like? Moscow and it was amazing again because of one and the tribe uh, so my husband was performing there we were staying at the New Zealand embassy and at that time the ambassador um, was Stuart Pryor who's still a lovely friend and so we were so fortunate this incredible embassy so cold though you could barely go outside and we did Red Square we did all of that and actually my husband's been back again he went to Vladivostok and uh St. Petersburg, a few different places, but it's it also gives you an insight into why you know Russian people who live here. My friend Yelena, I went, okay, I get it now. <laughs> I get where she comes from, uh, what it's like. It's it's uh, I guess quite. If you think about places like countries you've been to, you usually see colours and imagery, you'll get a sense of you know. You think of Thailand, you can feel the the heat. Uh, in Russia, it, it is. Intensely cold, well, when we were there, but um, 
I guess the colours are like that too. At that point, mm. they were quite grey. But then you go into this incredible strip. Uh, you know, it's like better than Las Vegas, I'd have to say. Casinos everywhere. Really? And so there's loads of money and then abject poverty. Yeah. Um, and we were involved in... You know, because it was quite a lot of uh, cultural side to things, um, saw a, a billionaire launch his book inside the embassy and he had a harem of women who were just, you know, all looked like supermodels, something yeah. out of Addicted to Love, Robert Palmer video. <laughs> they did. Really? Um, but he couldn't deal with the fact that, you know, two Māori men were there with their tops off doing haka and all the women were fawning. That was his own version of Magic Yeah, Mark. yeah. <laughs> and so he just had a big sulk, uh, turned the lights off the left. Male. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. What about um, the practicalities? Like, was it quite hard to get there, like getting a visa and things like that? Was that difficult? I mean, it was definitely easier if you're staying at the embassy. Sure, they um, would have helped out quite a lot. Yes, there, yeah. yeah. And so it wasn't inconvenient for me. But, uh, you know, as a performer, you need to have connections. And one of the connections there uh, was a New Zealander who's high up in the banks. Basically, it wouldn't have happened if we hadn't had an official invite. I guess sort of similar to China. It's not easy to just roll on mm. up from what I can tell, except yeah. it was easy for me. Typical. Uh, I just end up in these places. Well, you did what? Um, but so, yeah, quite austere, but um, gorgeous and resilient. I really got a sense of the resilience of Russian people mm. um, and how beautiful the architecture is, how um, how they feel about their country and their history, very invested in how they got to be what they are. What would you say, as far as Russian tourists don't have a great reputation around the world, you know, like in India, um, the the locals can be very wary of Russian tourists. Uh, we were talking about scams, you know, like, like frequently pretending they've gotten confused about something that was a thousand rupees being a hundred rupees, which then becomes a decent price to next to nothing. And those stories are, are everywhere in places like Goa. Um, how do you contrast that reputation internationally with, with the Russians you met when you were there? I guess just seeing an insight into, you know, I was saying um, experiences over things. It has to be the things that you have and the show that you have because they can't have other experiences. They're living, you know, these modelly looking women apparently live in tiny little apartments. And so that's everything they have is everything that they're wearing. Um, so I guess about surviving and trying to get through society is part of why um, they're used to going for the best deal, whereas mm. we are sitting there cringing in the market. They're, they're going, no, I have to get the best deal because it's uh, survival of the fittest, very much. Big country, huge population, uh, strict kind of uh, environment and culture. Then there's just a lot more... Uh, I guess discipline than we can perhaps relate to in mm. New Zealand. What about the food? I'm always um, very keen to know about food and destinations. <laughs> yeah. it... I seem to have a lot of salmon. I don't know oh, why. Okay. Yeah, um, but I'm thinking cabbage. That's probably not a very fair. There was a bit of cabbage. Okay. to be fair, um, but cabbage can be done well. Yeah, I mean, um, sure. No, it was interesting. I do remember vodka. Like um, a you lot remember of vodka. The vodka? That's, good. I, That's a good sign. <laughs> I do love vodka. I think my love of vodka has come from there. And so, but. Drinking it neat, having toast to everything all through lunch, um, which is well, starting uh, early. I couldn't. Oh yeah, but but <laughs> not being affected by it. Really, I mean, I know on on one of them, my husband, um, he said we would have had twelve shots during the course of lunch, and and he said me and another guy who think we do okay here in New Zealand, we we can't handle anymore, <laughs> and eating through it. So I found it. Uh, I don't have a big 
food capacity. So I was trying to be polite the whole time, but I, I couldn't I couldn't keep up with what they were trying to offer as hosts yeah. anyway. Is, yeah. is there a lurking sort of sense of humour that, that once a few shots of vodka have been consumed that you go, okay, you're, you're sort of serious on the exterior, but I, I can see kind of a warmth coming through? With, with I just love how, um, yes, it's a direct, a quite direct. Yeah. Um, I remember one party they wanted to finish, so they just turned off the lights. Like, <laughs> that means go home. That's um, such a good tip for when you've is. got people around for dinner and you want them to get out <laughs> of there. So turn the off the lights. Um, yeah, definitely. And warm and really hospitable uh, and generous and, uh, yeah, I, I of spirit. So, yeah, I think... Yeah, yes, yes. <laughs> and spirits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think, you know, that it is hard for us to understand how hard it might be living in some of these places, but, you know, in Russia, um, and how people really have to be strong and stand up for what they need and want and what they can get. Mm. Uh, yeah, but, but I did find that it, yeah, there's definitely those senses of humour. It's also fascinating to me then, you know, the voyager who comes to New Zealand, I mean, what a difference. Mm. It's huge, and and the things that people value are very much impacted by how you grew up and what's important in the place where you grew up. Yeah, yeah. And the Russian, the Russian birthday cake—that's the best thing in the whole wide world. Excellent. <laughs> oh my good. gosh, yeah. amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just think of the, the paradox of you know Red Square, which is the most fantastical looking place. You know, you know, one of the most outrageous pieces of architecture, and then also our idea of Eastern Bloc architecture, which is very, very drab. Um, but then there's St. Petersburg, which is meant to be oh, so yeah. stunning. Mm. Well, we um, one of our travel magazine team members, Courtney, shout out Courtney, um, <laughs> she actually went there last year on her honeymoon as wow. part of a world kind of trip. And I was kind of a bit confused. Why would you pick um, Moscow and St. Petersburg for your um, your honeymoon? But she said it was one of her favourite places. Right. And she, she talked about the, um, the metro stations. Did you go in any of those in Moscow? Yeah. She says they were just like opulent and oh, amazing, right. yeah, stunning. Mm. But uh, you know, and this is just their metro. This is just their yeah. commute to get to work. And um, and yeah, she said it's a really easy place to get around. And all these all these stereotypes that I had of this place and just completely yeah. challenged them. Yeah, so, I think once you're there, maybe yeah. or depending how you go there. But uh, yeah, I didn't get to St. Petersburg, but my husband and the rest of the crew did, and they said it was absolutely gorgeous. Mm. So, and, and and as you know, it is important your public transport looking pretty. Yeah, yep. that's your face to the world. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Good, good advice. Stacey Morrison, thank you so much for coming thank by. Is that the end already? It is. Oh. I know. It, it goes by fast. So. so let's go and have a chat about Magic yes, Mike. Please. Okay. <laughs> if you've been inspired by our destination of the week, you can see more with Intrepid's delicious Russian real food adventure from St. Petersburg to Moscow. It's a 10-day Intrepid trip. And Stephanie, where do people go? What's in store? Um, so... There's a lot of places. Moscow, Kazan, Suzdal, St. Petersburg. You travel by train, like overnight train journeys. But this is a food-focused tour. So um, I guess you get to experience all the amazing food. Some cabbage, probably more than cabbage, hopefully. Some vodka. Vodka, lots of vodka, I'd imagine. Um, but that's just one. So Intrepid have other tours as well. And uh, apparently some of their most popular ones travel over Christmas and New Year. 
which it would be such a magical experience to be yeah. um, in Red Square when it's, you know, the winter markets and it's freezing cold. You'd have to be very well prepared for the cold. Yeah. But. No, it, it sounds incredible. And, and the architecture that you'll see in both Moscow and St. Petersburg, and then, as you say, alongside the food on this particular one, the Russian real food adventure from St. Petersburg to Moscow. Ten days and see more at intrepidtravel.com. And for even more inspiration, go to nzherald.co.nz forward slash travel, or you can look for the NZ Herald Travel Facebook page on Instagram as well. And don't forget to subscribe to Trip Notes at all the major podcast apps, including Apple, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. And once again, huge thanks to our sponsors, Intrepid Travel, and their website, intrepidtravel.com.